You're listening to the Let's Talk Bible podcast, a Bible study podcast for kids and parents. We're your hosts, Will, Charlotte, and Chase, but we call him Dad. Dad'll work too. Each week, we're talking about the world of the Bible, along with interesting facts, history, and words to help you better understand what you read. The Bible doesn't have to be confusing. It actually makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you just need to talk it through. We hope our conversations help your family have some better conversations, too. Conversations are always good. We hope it helps us all know Jesus better and learn to follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's talk Bible. Today we're talking about Luke chapter 3. That's right, Luke chapter 3. We're actually picking up with a story, a character that we've talked about before, which is John the Baptist. The last time we talked about John the Baptist, he was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and it says that he grew up in God's favor and he moved into the wilderness. Well, now Luke brings us back around to John the Baptist and we find him again in the wilderness. So let's get mom in here and let's read today's passage of scripture about John the Baptist. Come on, mom. Luke chapter 3. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius was tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan River, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be brought low and the crooked will be made straight and the rough ways will be made smooth and all humanity will see the salvation of God. So John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you offspring of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Therefore, produce fruit that proves your repentance. And don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now, the ax is laid at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So the crowds were asking him, what then should we do? John answered them, the person who has two tunics must share with the person who has none, and the person who has food must do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, teacher, what should we do? He told them, collect no more than you are required to. Then some soldiers also asked him, and as for us, what should we do? He told them, take money from no one by violence or by false accusation, and be content with your pay. While the people were filled with anticipation, and they all wondered whether perhaps John could be the Christ, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I am is coming. I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clean out his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his storehouse. But the chaff he will burn up with inextinguishable fire. And in this way, with many other exhortations, John proclaimed good news to the people. 
But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil deeds that he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked up John in prison. Thanks, Mom. That's a really interesting story. Well, maybe a good place for us to start is any questions you guys had from our reading today? Will? Didn't John baptize Jesus? Did he get, like let out of prison and then get back in prison? Yeah, that's a really good question. Luke is actually doing some summarizing here. And I think what he's trying to do is show us the leaders at the beginning. Remember that list of all of the leaders, Caesar Tiberius and Pilate, who was governor of Judea and Herod, the Tetrarch of Galilee, which is Antipas. Uh, what Luke's doing is he's adding all the leaders at the beginning, and then he's adding this note about how Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, would lock John up in prison. Jesus was actually baptized John before John was arrested, because ultimately John would be beheaded and executed under the orders of Herod Antipas. So Luke's summarizing the story and at the end reminding us that uh, John would ultimately be imprisoned and put to death by him. In our passage next week, Luke will actually go back and talk about Jesus being baptized by him. So yeah, great question. I think while reading that passage, I also noticed an important person, place, or thing we could discuss. So let's talk about an important place. It's an important person, place, or thing. We've uncovered a person, place, or thing that's important for you to learn more about. Today's important place is the Jordan River. What Luke tells us is that John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River. So it's probably good for us to talk a little bit about the Jordan River. There are two big bodies of water. Well, technically three if you count the Mediterranean Sea, the ocean. But there's two big bodies of water within Israel, the land of the Bible. In the north, you have the Sea of Galilee. You've heard of it. There's water that flows into the Sea of Galilee called the Upper Jordan River. And then it leaves the Sea of Galilee and runs through the Jordan River, the whole length of the central part of the nation of Israel. And that river, the Jordan River, dumps into the Dead Sea. What do you know about the Dead Sea? It's very salty. There's actually a couple of interesting things about the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest point on Earth, which is pretty remarkable. The lowest piece of land is right there in Israel at the Dead Sea. And it's also the highest concentration of salt water. I've actually been there and you can float in it without even having to move. There's so much salt, it makes you float. But it's called the Dead Sea because the salt is so great that nothing can live there. There are no fish and plants. So you have the Sea of Galilee in the north, where they would often fish, that was fresh water, then the Jordan River that would run all the way between it to the Dead Sea. John was coming into the Judean wilderness. So that's the wilderness around Jerusalem that led down to the Jordan River. And he would go down into the wilderness and people would follow him from all sorts of cities like Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And they would gather there in the wilderness and John would be baptizing people into the water. One of the things that the Jews often did when they were practicing immersion in water, when they were going into water, when they were uh, covering themselves in water like baptism, that's that word immerse yourself, immersion, is that they would look for running water like the Jordan River. And so it made sense that John would go to a place like the Jordan River to do his baptisms. So maybe you've got a chance if you've got a Bible at home, many Bibles have maps at the back. You could open that up and you could look and you could see the Sea of Galilee and then a blue line that runs all the way down to the Dead Sea. That little blue line is the Jordan River, which we think is an important person, place, or thing. Well, let's get into our passage and discuss a little more of what we read. (music) 
If you guys think back to the passage we just read, what was John doing in the wilderness at the Jordan River? Can you remember some of the things that the passage tells us? He was baptizing people. People were asking him what should they do. Preaching good news. Those are all good answers. John was baptizing people, which it specifically tells us he was baptizing them for the forgiveness of their sins. They were coming and repenting of the sins they had committed, and John was baptizing them in water. And he was also warning them about a judgment that was to come, and he was preaching good news to them, Luke tells us. Really what we remember John the Baptist doing is being the one that prepared the way for Jesus. That's what Luke quotes. He quotes an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. And do you remember what Isaiah said, how he described John the Baptist? As a forerunner? That's a good word. Yeah, he is a forerunner because he comes before Jesus. But do you remember the quote from Isaiah? A voice. A voice crying in the wilderness. That's exactly right. Isaiah says that there will be a voice crying in the wilderness, and that voice will bring all the mountains, the hard places to climb over. It'll make them low. And all of the valleys that would block your path, it will raise them up and make it smooth. And the final line of that passage from Isaiah says, so that all flesh may see salvation. So a part of what John was doing is he was preparing people's hearts so they could recognize Jesus as the one who would be salvation. In the Gospel of John, there's a scene where John the Baptist sees Jesus walking by and he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So John was pointing out that Jesus would ultimately be God's salvation to come. That's why John says in this passage, one is coming who's even greater than I am. There were probably big crowds that were following John. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people that were coming into the wilderness to be baptized and to hear his preaching. But John said something really important to them. He said, there's one coming who I'm not even worthy to untie their sandals. I'm not even worthy to take their shoes off. They're so great. And John was talking about the coming of Jesus, who he was preparing the way for. We've been talking a lot about how we prepare our own hearts and lives to receive Jesus. Luke's been doing that in all of these stories. As we're waiting still for Jesus to come and start teaching, we've been preparing. What are some of the ways we prepare our heart to listen and to receive Jesus? By praying. By loving him. By asking for forgiveness for sins. For forgiving one another. Yeah, these are all really good things you're coming up with. And that's kind of what uh, John was talking. The people were saying, what should we do? And John was saying, share your food and tunic. Don't abuse power that you have. Don't take advantage of people. That's right. So forgive people, love people, be looking for Jesus to come. John the Baptist was basically saying, you should be preparing your heart in humility and obedience to receive Jesus when he comes. Now, one of the interesting things that comes up is John assumes some people will object. They'll say, we don't need forgiveness. We don't need baptism. We're the children of Abraham. They were saying to him, we're already in God's family. We don't need to do these things. But John was warning them that they needed to prepare their own hearts. It wasn't enough to just say they were a Jew, or it wasn't enough to say that Abraham was their father. In the same way, it's not enough for us to just be in a Christian house. It's not enough for you to say, my parents believe in Jesus. There comes a point in all of our lives where we have to decide about following Jesus for ourselves. We have to ask Jesus to come into our life, and we have to choose to follow Jesus and obey Jesus even on our own. And I think that's a lot of what John was doing. He was saying, each of you have to be prepared to see the salvation that's coming, to see Jesus, and to choose to follow him. Does that make sense? Makes lots of sense.
Well, I've got another question from one of our friends who's called in to give us their questions. Maybe we could get into that and keep talking about the passage. So, Will, let's hit the button. It's time for our question from a friend segment, where one of our friends asks their question about the passage of Scripture we're studying. Will, who do we have a question from today? Today's question comes from Kaylee, who's age 11. All right, let's hear it. Hi, my name is Kaylee. I was wondering what was a wooden wing fork. Thank you. That's a great question, Kaylee, and probably not something you would have heard of before. You might also be able to translate that a pitchfork. Have you ever seen a pitchfork and know what a pitchfork looks like? Yeah, it's sort of like a giant fork. It's kind of like what you roast marshmallows on, but it isn't. That makes sense. Yep. So a, a, a kind of a large fork or it has a, a handle, but then it goes down and has uh, what Charlotte's imagining you could roast marshmallows on. That's a good image. This was probably bigger and wider than that, like a big rake, if sometimes you've seen those big rakes too. And really what's being described is a tool that was used for separating out wheat. If you've ever seen wheat growing in the field, you'll notice that it grows on a stem and the seed inside that you actually grind up and use is in a a husk or a shell that's around it, what's called chafe sometimes. And so what would happen is they would pull all those little seeds off and pile them up on a hard surface, a threshing floor, but you needed a way to be able to separate that shell, that sort of papery or thin shell case that was around the actual wheat kernel. So they would use this big fork to pick up a lot of that wheat and toss it in the air, and as they did, it would break open, and the chafe, the outer shell, would blow away in the wind because it was lighter, and the heavier wheat kernel, the seed, would fall to the ground. So a person would do this over and over, and over a period of time, it would separate those two things. So what do you think John was saying that Jesus was like that tool, that that fork, that winnowing fork or pitchfork, that rake that separates the wheat from the chaff? He's going to separate something? Yeah, that's right. John has this idea that when Jesus comes, he's going to make all of us have to make a decision. When you hear about Jesus, when you hear Jesus saying, come and follow me in the Bible— you get to make a choice. Will you follow Jesus or will you choose not to follow Jesus? And so John has this image of how Jesus himself will begin to separate us from those who want to be his people and those who choose to live for themselves or live their own way. So that's that image of Jesus coming and separating the wheat from the chaff. And he's using, Kaylee, to use your question, the winnowing fork. Hey, I didn't know that, so now I do. Well, how about we get into a word of the day? I've got a great one for you that I'm excited to teach you. Each week, we're learning a new word from the original languages of the Bible. You might not know it, but the Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek. And a little and Aramaic. And a little Aramaic, that's right also. Each week, we'll teach you an important word from these original languages so you can better understand the important themes of the Bible. So, let's learn our word of the week. All right, I was looking through today's passage and looking at Greek words that I think are important. And I think there's an important word here that we haven't talked about yet, so I thought I would teach you the Greek word. Today's Greek word is hamartia. You got to get that H sound at the beginning, hamartia. 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 Good. Do you know what that word means in Greek? Don't know. It means the word sin. You've heard the word sin before. Sin in Greek is hamartia. 
But we need to talk a little bit about what that idea means. What is sin and what is this word hamartia? Sometimes you'll hear sin described as missing the mark, that somebody's perhaps shot an arrow at a target and missed it. And there's probably some of the meaning of that in the word, but there's something more going on as well, too. In Hebrew, the word sin has to do with going astray. So it's not just missing your mark, but it's also wandering off the path or going a different direction. The idea of sin in the Bible is that God has created us for a certain purpose, and he's told us how we should best live, to live into and become all that he's created us to be. And that involves obeying him and being in relationship with him. But to sin means that we wander off that path. We choose to do what we want our own way, and we miss the full way of being human that God designed and created us to be. This is that idea of sin. Not just that we disobeyed, it's certainly disobeying God, but it's that we miss out on everything that comes along in God's creation with obeying him. This is that idea of hamartia, sin, to miss the mark or to wander off or to disobey God. And we read it in today's passage that John was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sin. Luke uses the word hamartia. Let's practice saying it one more time. Hamartia. 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 That's great. You practice saying it at home as well. Hamartia. All right, well, let's get into our reflections and our prayer for today. I'd love to hear what you guys thought, something you learned today or something you thought was interesting from our passage. I didn't know that they use uh, like a big rake to scoop up the little kernels of like wheat and like throw up into the air. I learned about the Jordan River. I think i like to see that someday. I also learned John wants all of us to prepare hearts for Jesus. Great. I think those are really good themes to take away from today. At the Jordan River, John calls us to prepare our hearts to receive Jesus and to see who Jesus is and his salvation. That's what I take away from it as well. Each of us are going to encounter Jesus, even on this podcast or in conversations with your parents or reading the Bible for yourself. And when we encounter Jesus, we want our hearts to be prepared to receive him and to recognize the salvation he's offering. So we, like John was doing and those who gathered in the wilderness, ask God to forgive us of our sins, to humble us and prepare our hearts that we might hear that voice crying in the wilderness, that salvation that has come to us. Well, many of you have probably been following the news lately, too, and seeing all of the war that's breaking out in Israel. Even as we were talking today about the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, those are all places I've gotten to visit and hope someday to be able to take Will and Charlotte as well, too. And I know there's probably a lot of kids in Israel right now who are feeling a little worried and scared about the war happening. So we thought we might pray for them in today's episode, and you could join us in that prayer also. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word that you've given us today, and we thank you that John came to prepare the way and to tell us the good news that you were coming, and that he taught us how to repent of our sins and to humble ourselves and to turn our attention towards receiving you. And so we pray you would help our hearts to be ready to receive you, and that we would choose to follow you and to live the way that you've designed us to live, not in sin or going our own way, but in obedience following you. 
And we also pray today you would be with all of the families and the kids who are in Israel and Palestine who are caught in all sorts of conflict and violence, that God, you would be a peace to them, that you would be a shield of protection to them, that you would be an encouragement to them, that they wouldn't be afraid, but they would trust you and that you would be faithful to walk this with them. We look forward to the day that we can be in Israel as well and see these places again for ourselves, and we trust you to do it. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have this little tradition in our house of offering a blessing before the kids go to school each day. In the book of Numbers, Aaron is given a blessing in which he puts God's name over his people. And we would like to offer you that blessing as we do each morning as well, too. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace. And lots of peace to eat for Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk Bible podcast. You can find notes for today's show by going to letstalkbible.kids. There you'll find this week's scripture, family discussion questions, and the word of the week. You can also send us a message, maybe a question you have about the Bible. Parents, there's also a sermon for each of our episodes to help you dig deeper into the week's passage. We hope our conversations inspire your family for some conversations of your own. Thanks for listening.